This is News Talk's SSE Electricity League podcast. He is Daniel Kelly. And I am Oshin Langan. You can get him on at uh, Ismisha Daniel. And you can get me via Twitter on at Oshin Langan. Coming up, ex Cork City and Shamrock Rovers player Billy Woods on Cork City, Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, and Galway. He talks to us about how John Caulfield works and how he builds his team. That's quite interesting. It certainly is. Uh, great to speak to him. Yeah, fantastic. Although, obviously, Dan, we don't record bits of the podcast and drop it back in later. Correct. Yep, so we haven't spoken to him yet. We I'm obviously have no idea what the subject matter is. I'm predicting in that what he's going to say. What's he going to say? Uh, he's going to say that John Caulfield is great and Cork are going to win the league. And he, he he might say that. He we don't know. We something. don't know. We, we don't, don't know. know. We don't tune know how that conversation is going to go. Out. Also today, we're going to be hearing from Sligo Rovers legend Tony Fagan. Now, this had nothing to do with me, I'd like to add. It actually didn't. This was actually my <laughs> idea. Funnily enough, Billy Woods, the ex-Cork City player, was Dan's idea. And Tony Fagan, the ex-Sligo Rovers player, was my idea. Yes, Rovers have their... For, it's 40 years since they've won the uh, their second league title in 1977. People are saying, why is it being... Uh, why is it being acknowledged now at the start of the season? We need to remember it's March and the season 40 years ago would have been coming to a conclusion around now. So Tony Fagan, Sligo Rovers record appearance holder, 590 uh, times he played for Rovers, won the league in 77, won the cup in 83. He was the captain when they won the cup too. Yes, lots to talk about today. We will talk about football, but I guess we have to address this as well. Well, we're seeing the mobile phones out and being waved around the, the generators in that hut down there. I'd say. <laughs> I'll be honest, these ladies and gentlemen. I was saying about how smooth things were going whenever we first got here, and I think I probably put the commentators' jinx on them. Never a bad time to play five, baby, no. when the lights go out. And for the second week in a row, we have an excuse to do so. In fairness to Athlone, they actually got the game on. They actually yes. played against Waterford. Uh, but that's a ridiculous situation. The first game at uh, Park. Park in Buncrana and the lights don't last. Yeah. The facility's already proving to not be up to it. It's embarrassing. It really is. Now, looking at... I was at a League Cup... Quiet five. <laughs> I was looking... I was looking... I was at a game there a few years ago and from what I've seen on Soccer Republic, the facilities do seem to have improved. Yeah. Well, first night of the season... They're claiming it was a, a trip a trip switch, yeah. but still, it's it's a it's a poor start. I'm not an electrician, but doesn't a trip switch means that you were trying to drain too much power? And is that not predictable? I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we need to, to bring on an electrician. Yeah, uh, maybe we could get someone from SSE uh, Electricity. Oh, to that's to a cheap that. joke. Look, I'm sure McGinn Park is a great place. We haven't been up there. Yes. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh and well, saying. Well, I have been. You haven't because you don't do well, your research. Y- well, you haven't been up there recently. I'm sure to get up to standard, they had to prove that Correct. they could host League of Ireland games. It's just a pity that yeah. they had this much fortune and that kind of rammed home the argument that maybe this place wasn't up to it. It's worth noting that uh, when the original fixtures came out for the season, uh, the vast majority of Derry's games were due to be played on a Sunday afternoon. That will be the case in the summer. They have moved some at the start and at the end of the season to yeah. Friday nights. And hopefully now for their next game, and especially with the re 
the rearranged yeah. game at Limerick the lights will work look by all accounts a warm welcome people did their best there but this is not an ideal situation I'm sure they learn from it and they'll move on etc and as we heard there from the commentators everything seemed to work perfectly beforehand exactly yeah and that point has to be raised yeah. as well uh, the commentary by the way coming from Drive 105 our friends on Match Night Live that show there in Derry uh, on the pitch Dundalk made it two for, well that light failure happened just off the pitch so yeah. Anyway, we're talking on the pitch. kind of off the pitch infrastructural issues. On the pitch, Dundalk made it two wins from two with a 4 0 win over Sligo Rovers at the showgrounds. Manager Stephen Kenny spoke to Dara Cox of Ocean FM after the game and he said he was happy with not just the score but also who scored. Probably the players that would have liked him to score all got on the score sheet. Patrick McElhenney getting his first goal of the season. Michael Duffy getting his first goal to the club. A real natural finisher. Thomas Stewart scoring. You know, his first goal for the club and, and, uh, and Kieran Duff getting amongst the goals again. So from that point of view, a clean sheet, very important for us as well. It's a good win, you know, so we'll, ta- we'll certainly take it. Yeah. Oh, you're a Sligo Rovers fan, I, I forgot that. Yeah. That must hurt. It certainly does. It's oh. not looking good right now. Would you like to move on quickly? Uh, yes, well, so let's, let's bring in the ray of sunshine that is Sligo Rovers' Craig Rodden. Yes, Craig Rodden, the captain, in fairness to him, when he sat down with Ocean FM 24 hours later mm. to reflect on that 4-0 defeat he didn't try to de- deflect the blame in fairness he didn't try and put it on Robertson or any anyone else we ain't good enough from the players you know we've, um, we've let the manager down we've let ourselves down we've let the fans down there so we can only get, back our- get ourselves back in on Monday morning and uh, put it right again same path you know it's just not good enough from us well, what do you put it down to Greg is that a kind of stupid question Um. I think we just got to have a good look, good look on ourselves. You know, go back in Monday. You know, we've massively let the manager down there. You know, who's in my eyes is excellent, and you know, we've we've let him down. We've let we've let the fans down who've come out to see us in our first home game, uh, first game of the season that weren't weren't good enough either. So I think we've just got to get ourselves back in Monday, get back to basics, and you know, the belief still there in the team. You know what I mean? There's just talent in the team. Coaching staff is brilliant. Um, I think it's just about the players now, just having a good look at themselves. And you know, no one can hide and no one can start pointing the finger. We just got to get back out there, get get insane on Monday morning, have a good talk, put it right, and um, put it right on Saturday. You know, it's a long season; it's only two games, and uh, one one win can change your season. You know what I mean? It's just you know, we can't get carried away. We can't get too down with. Oh, we've lost two games now. We need to just forget that now and um, get on with it. There's a sense of panic among Sligo Rovers fans, along with a few other clubs near the foot of the table. We were speaking in our in our preview uh, preview podcast before the season started that the relegation battle will be very interesting with three teams, and a lot of teams are panicking very early because of that. Because if there's just the one team, you may get back into it, but teams need to get up the table as quick as possible. And Sligo Rovers are struggling at the minute. I thought. That was pretty admirable of him, though. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, oh, we were unlucky, or oh, the sending off. He actually went on to say in that interview, the sending off made no difference. Yeah. We were terrible and we were going to be beaten anyway. I will say, in in defence, uh, watching, I wasn't able to go to the game, but watching it last night, it did seem harsh enough, but it's no yeah. excuse to undock, we're by far the better team. You'd probably have gone if they were winning. Uh, true. Uh, yeah, that is the case. I, I only follow them when they're doing well. Only follow the winning team. In fairness, I was in work, so feeble excuse if you ask yeah, me by sure. the way coming up later uh, ex Sligo Rovers legend Tony Fagan now Cork City are 2 from 2 and among the scorers in their 4-0 win at home to Galway United was defender Ryan Delaney uh, the Wexfordian is on loan from Burton Albion so just exactly what is he learning uh, during his time with Cork City 
the standard here is very good, it's very professional and we do, with the double sessions here I find that it will improve me a lot uh, better so hopefully keep improving through the time and obviously over in Burton it was very good for me because I'm away from home and uh, you have to kind of like man up and mature a little bit more over there because you're on your own but here is very good and I'm enjoying myself at the moment. Probably finds himself playing a bit more in the absence of Kenny Brown who's gone off to Waterford. Uh, very wise words though from Ryan Delaney there. Yeah, he's the type of player that League of Ireland clubs should be looking for. A player that's gone over to England uh, will more than likely spend his spend the majority of his career in England. He seems to be impressing at Burton. He's come back for this short spell to the till the middle of the season, and there yeah. those are the players League of Ireland clubs should be looking at, and possibly longer. Owen yes. O'Connell the same with Celtic, and then we saw him slot straight into the Celtic team. Okay, he's gone off on loan since, yeah. but he didn't let himself down when he played with Celtic. Certainly not from what I saw, anyway. Well, we know with these players, even with uh, Manning, that's gone from goal to QPR, the players that may not have been seen as the stars of certain League of Ireland teams, yeah. once they move over and they have a good they have a good uh, footing in the team, they'll be able to get into Championship or League One teams pretty easily. And another young player has gone along that line, Paddy O'Connor from Limerick. I think he's already made in around 40 appearances for the first team. He's gone to Leeds. Yes, and obviously he won't get into the team straight away. Leeds are looking for a promotion to the Premiership. Premier League, Premiership. Premier Welcome League. back to the 1990s. But back exactly, to a point, yeah. hopefully he'll get into the Leeds team next season. Yeah, well, hopefully he will. Right, let's talk to former Shamrock Rovers and Cork City player Billy Woods about Rovers, Bowes, Cork City and Galway United. Um, before we do, though, let's hear from Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen Bradley, who was delighted after their 2-1 win against Bohemians. Granted, he didn't quite express it in the terms that uh, Trevor Clark did. Have a listen. This is him speaking to the Shamrock Rovers website. We just need to up the tempo 5 or 10% because we have it in us. Like, you know, we're fit and we're strong. And, and once we did that, I thought they'd roll over because like, uh, we have too much of them. Like, you know, and I thought they did that. And uh, it could have been three or four, like you know, it could have been outside the amount of chances we had in the second half. A special night for Michael Connor, his first goal for the cup. Yeah, look, Mikey was very disappointed to be left out. I had a good chat with him today. I just said to him, Mikey, you'll come on and get us the winner. Like, you know, he's that sort of player that chances fall to him. He could have two when he came on. And his attitude was first class. He said, no problem. Good on with him. When he came on, he was ready to go. I think you've seen that. Like, and his finish wasn't, it wasn't an easy finish. It looked easy. He was coming across the box. He signed for it. It was a great finish, like, you know. Stephen Bradley, the Shamrock Rovers head coach, speaking to the Shamrock Rovers SoundCloud. Uh, Billy, it was a, an important win for Shamrock Rovers and given the conditions, a, a pretty good performance as well. It was a good performance. Um, I, lo- I look at Shamrock Rovers now and I see a young, energetic, vibrant team in comparison to what they had last year. I think um, Stephen coming in, they've obviously put an emphasis on youth. Um, you look at the, through the team, left backs and the forward, they've got good legs, they've got good energy. Um, I thought they were a bit unlucky in Dundalk last week and I think it was crucial that they got the first win in the home fixture um, you look at the two goals Brendan Miele got, Brendan Miele got an excellent goal and then young Michael O'Connor coming off the bench it's a good start for him as any kid learning the game And you look at Rovers and I think if they get up and running they get a bit of momentum going I think they could be there whether they have enough to win the league um, I'm not sure this year but they look a better team than they were last year they look more vibrant as I said and they look like They've got the bit between their teeth, especially in the home game against Bowes. It, it was crucial that they got up and running. And um, as you can hear, I think Stephen Bradley was delighted with that. And I don't think enough was made out of Mile's goal. I mean, you're a man who, when you played, you were able to uh, adapt your feet very quickly. But how much more difficult is that to do when you have the Bowes defence on you and you're essentially playing in mud? Well, you look at the goal, OK, and I think Derek Pender's on top of him and he takes an extra touch and then he takes another touch before he strikes it. It's, it's that bit of... Um, 
is a bit of class about him there to have the extra touch. Rather, some people, like personally, I would have probably snatched that. He, he takes an extra touch, he finishes, he makes sure he hits the target. He's got that. Um, you, look, you look at Rovers on the wings, they've got obviously Darmina's coming from Dundalk, they've got Brandon Miller, so they've got that bit of energy up front. They've got Boyd, they've got Michael O'Connor, they've, they've got that threat where possibly they didn't have last year. They've got people that can run away from people. Um, I think it gives Rovers an extra dimension. And you look at Brandon Miller, he probably, the, the year before last, he came home, there was a lot of you know, people looking at him probably didn't have the year he wanted last year. But I think you look at the game the other night, and you, you, you look at a boy who's confident now. He's got that bit between his teeth again, and that was an exceptional finish the other night. Again, as you said, on a pitch that was a bog. Billy, on last week's podcast, we were speaking to Damian Lynch, looking ahead to the game on Friday night. And one of the questions I asked him was, "Who was under more pressure going into the game, uh, whether it was uh, Shamrock Rovers or Bulls?" With such a big performance in a Dublin derby, there seemed to be a big crowd there. Uh, in Talad, that should boy uh, that should boy Shamrock Rovers up for the games in the coming weeks, and it could be after the di- after the the disappointment in Oriel Park, it could be a very strong start to the season that they can build on now for the for the next few weeks. I think it is. You know, I suppose the crucial thing early on the season, I know it's a cliche, it's just getting points on the board. It doesn't really matter whether you turn in an exceptional performance or you grind out a one 0 Look, I, I think the other night in fairness, Rovers played well without being exceptional. They, but they were, I thought the previous week against Sundalk, I thought they were very good again. But again, you just get the points on the board, get a bit of momentum going, get the support on side. And you think, you look at the role of support now, I think they're all behind Stephen Bradley. They've looked at what he's done. He's, he's changed the dynamic of the group. He's brought in a lot of kids. He's brought in a, a lot of players with a bit to prove. You know, you look at Ryan Connolly, he was at Sligo, didn't really work from when the goal approved himself. You look at Devine, back home from, you know, comes home from Villa, had to play Lensini to get his career going there. Um, so you look at those lads and you think, yeah, he's got he's got a younger team. He's got Ronan Finn, obviously the experienced player in the group as club captain now. And you look, the Rovers fans will give him the support once once they see that the team are playing for each other. There's a bit of energy, there's a bit of enthusiasm within the group, and it looks like that. And you you look at the coming fixtures next couple of weeks or next Friday and Monday, and you think Rovers got a good chance of being there thereabouts after the first series of games. If they can do that. There's no doubt you'll get the support in Tala for the home for the remaining games, and Rovers fans will always travel too. So, I think to finish top two, top three would be an exceptional season for Rovers. And Rovers fans will let you know if they're not happy as well. Talk to me about Ryan Connolly. Uh, Brian Kerr compared him to a Viking, but that, I think that's more because of the beard. He's a player that some have said, "Oh, well, you know, he's not in Rovers class. They need something a bit better." But I put it to you, Billy, that he's the kind of player that every team needs. Maybe, you know, very, very solid, gets the job done, adds a bit of steel, adds a bit of something that other guys can't. You know, he has something that others maybe don't. I I could compare him maybe just a little to Stevie O'Donnell at Dundalk. Well, I tell you, if he, if he has the career that Stevie O'Donnell has, I think he'd be very happy. Um, I think he's got a long way to go to get to that level, but... When he came back from Derby, he went to Sligon. He was like a le- people thought him as a left winger, and it probably looked without being without being fair. I don't think he's got the pace to get away as a left winger. But he went to Galway, reinvented himself as a, as a, like a sitting midfield player. But you saw the other night for the first goal um, or for the second goal, like bigger pardon, his energy and his bit of drive. He's broke the ball's broke. Balls of a free kick. He's on the edge of Rovers box, and he he ends up squaring the ball from Michael Connor. Now that's great energy. I thought he was good in the first game too without being exceptional. But I think he's got that he's got that work ethic that Rovers needs. You've got Ronan Finn who's a lovely football. You've got McAllister again, experienced boy, been back from England. But he's got that bit of drive. He's got legs, he's got energy and I think Rovers need it. If they're going to challenge you need somebody who's who's about can get around the pitch. With a player like that, does he just have to learn to do simple things with the ball? I mean again to compare him to Stevie O'Donnell, Stevie O'Donnell never gives it away. And that 
that seems like I'm oversimplifying what he does and I'm taking away from him as a player. I'm actually not. If anything, I'm trying to compliment him. So Ryan maybe needs to look at Stevie and say, OK, that's what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. You look, you look at Stephen O'Donnell the last few years. Right? People said, you know, that time his, his career fluctuated small, but when he was left Rovers. But listen, he's won three titles in a row. He's been absolutely outstanding the last three years. If Ryan Connolly can get to there, that level yeah. of there, that he's, he will have a, an excellent career in League of Ireland. He's got, he's got a huge platform, a huge stage to perform at this year. As you said, Rovers is a step up from where he's been. It's a st- like, we're open cruel here now, and I know we've like a Rovers supporter here. We, it's a step up from Rovers. He's fine, it's, Billy. Don't, don't worry. He's fine. Yeah, and we've, yeah. We've got I'm just st- going to stay quiet here. <laughs> we've got a, he's a step up from goal. It's, it's, a, it's a huge platform, or a huge stage for him to perform. And if he can, if he can make, make that step, I think he'll have a very successful transition from, from being a, a middle-of-the-table player to a top-of-the-table player. And that's, that's a huge step in his career. And look, I think it's something he's got to relish this year really and embrace it one thing I will say Billy is that he does have a league winners medal from the showgrounds I'm well, not sure yeah, I'm not well, sure if he'll get one of those this year well I don't know if he'll get one this year but I think I think if you ask Ryan I don't know if his contribution that season was that significant really you know when yeah. like, that year in fairness he was competing against the likes of John Wilson Cole to play in the middle of the park so whether, I think again look as I said this year he's going to be there about starting every week so it's, it's a huge stage for him really Typical Dan never lets the little things go I know I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> Billy just before we move on to Cork City um, I want to talk to you about Bohemians they're part time they've got a lot of young players and they are missing some big players as well including Owen Wearin judging from what you saw on Friday night where are they at? It's hard to know. It's it's so early. I, to be honest, right? And I heard Stephen Bradley's interview. I didn't think balls were that far away. There was there wasn't a huge amount. The first goal dictates, you know, Dublin derbies. Really, you know, once once they conceded, it was it was going to be a hard task for them to go chasing the game. Obviously, they played Dinny Cochran up top in his own tonight. They didn't look like they had huge legs to get up and around them. The, the gap between the back four and the centre four was so big, but. They're very unfortunate with E. Morris's header where it smacks the post. That could be 1-1. One, one. Then, then they've got something to cling to. Um, where they are at the moment, obviously, the first game is a huge result when they, and they lose so significantly at home to Derry. But I think the next couple of weeks will tell an awful lot. I think the only thing about what they, ha- what they do have is Keith and Tre- Trevor know the league inside out. I think they'll be they'll probably make them a bit more difficult to play against. I think in the first game, they're probably a bit open. They're a bit unlucky against Derry in some circumstances in some of the goals. But probably a bit open. Again, when you look at some of the clubs in Dublin, what they're spending, I think I think both are going to find it difficult. If they can get middle of the table think this year, I think it'll be a good season. It's going to be very difficult. Obviously, as Keith said, when you're competing at a part-time level against full-time teams, it's very challenging. And you've got lads that are working, coming from that, you know, you're trying to train in the evenings, you're trying to do everything. It is challenging, but... They've got a huge fan base. They've got last year. They had a very good record at home, so I think that's that's going to be crucial for them this year. Okay, let's move on to Cork City. We will talk, by the way, about Bray uh, next week because I'm going to go to their game on Monday night. And the reason I mentioned Bray is because that's who's next for Bohemians. But Cork City, two wins from two. Both came in tough conditions. One away to Finn Harps. One at home to Galway United 4-0 the final score in Turner's Cross last Friday after the game John Caulfield was speaking with the media and it was put to him that uh, Conor McCormick seemed happy enough to play as a sweeper while Beattie was happy enough to go right full Yeah but I think to be fair the attitude of the guys is fantastic <laughs> we have a really good bunch of guys I think the supporters can see that and, and, and liaise with them they can see off the pitch even when they meet them they're really decent guys and you know there's no fella that gets carried away and you know there's a good there's a good competition within the team and at the end of the day you know you suppose you look at you know Carl Shepherd felt maybe he should start it you know Camp he's been bursting for the last three weeks to get a run um, and then we have Shane Griffin who really hasn't 
he's come back in and you know we're working on his confidence getting himself ready to back in so you know from that point of view and young Ellis you know feels that he can score he's going to score every week so you know that's all that's all good but at the same time you need competition and you need situations that when people are out injured and as I said we've had three changes in three games you need the fellas that come in that they don't weaken the team and obviously that has proved that in the last three weeks. Billy obviously I wasn't at the game but looking at the highlights on Soccer Republic goals defending obviously didn't help themselves but Cork did look very impressive in what was pretty awful conditions. Conditions were bad, but again, and I, I just repeat myself here, once once Galway go behind, they're chasing the game, they're, they leave themselves exposed. The couple, couple of the first two goals are, are huge mistakes, huge goalkeeper on, you know, without being harsh, and probably on the two goals, he takes a touch on the first one, Shawnee robs him. Um, Cork's got that bit of class, though. They've got that bit of, they've got that killer instinct at the moment. You look at McGuire, he's probably the best centre forward in the country the last year. He looks like he's going to score every week. Um, they've got good options up front now. They've got good options in midfield. They, like they've got a squad there now this year that I don't think it'll be. Look, they won't be far away at all again this year. Um, you've got Conrad's coming off the bench. He's talked about Carroll Shepherd. You've got Campion. You've got like there's three other forwards that they've got that they can bring in. Um, Gary Buckley didn't play the other night with suspension. Johnny Dunleavy didn't play the other night. So they've got huge options, but they have the killer instinct. Every every chance they got there night, they nearly scored Cork. So you know it, they punished Galway for mistakes, which I have to do and. It looked like it's going to be a long season for Galway, but Cork looked like they've got the momentum. A huge result up in Finn Harps the other night, um, the first game of the season. And, and on Friday, um, they looked a class above Galway, to be honest. Um, from what you've seen of Cork City so far, have they evolved in their style? Uh, because that was something that maybe they needed to do, just to move on that little bit more. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot spoken about that. And in fairness, you're like, and I, I was there the first two years with, with, when, like, obviously John came in and we had Mark Sullivan up front. And I think the, the evolution of the team with Sean McGuire going in as a centre forward has progressed. You've got, like, the other night now, he played Jimmy Cahan in the 10. And Jimmy Cahan looks, he looked to me, class player. So I think, again, the team is developing under John. It's, every year it's been, it's been there, thereabouts. I, I think this year is the strongest squad he's had, there's no doubt. Um, and it looked like the summer the football they played in stage and it was excellent. Um, after three 0 you know they kept the ball. They probably could have kept it even better if, if I'm being honest. But like they played very well, and you know they, again, I think on the mark when Mark Sullivan was there, I, I suppose there was the, there was the option of going long because Mark he was so physical and so good in the air. But look yeah. again, the last year, in fairness to John, he's played into Sean McGuire's feet, and Sean McGuire's been on a different level to most players in the country. Yeah, do they build the team around Shawnee, or is it just Shawnee happens to be the tip of it and he's in form at the moment? Well, I, I think I think if you're going to play Sean McGuire. You can only play one way. You can't go from back to front. There's no way. Like, look, with a, Sean is five foot six, five foot seven. He's not. He's not physically dominant in the air. But if you bang him into his feet, he's got a fantastic touch, and he can bring players into the game, which is what he does. You know, once he's on his game, he's, he's linking with the wide players, the, the, the likes of Gary Buckley and Jimmy McGo- or Jimmy Cahan, the ten position. It gives Cork a different dynamic. It gives him different attacking options, different attacking routes, and I think that's the way they're going to play. And it looks like to me they're going to have success with that. It's only the first week of March, but already it looks like uh, Maguire could be the key player for Cork this year. How crucial is it that to keep him in, in the summer? Because, as you said, if he keeps on scoring in these in every game or every second game, that clubs in England will come back sniffing in the summer form. If they can keep him, I think he'll end up close to going again, again getting now thirty goals. Which will be look, Cork will be there at the end of the season if he gets the bones of thirty goals in all competitions. I think. Cork will win the league, but again, as you said, it's going to be huge. But in, in fairness to Sean, he's got like he made the decision this year to stay, 
and to play week in, week out. There's no, like, a bit like Daryl in the sense that, Daryl Horgan, in the sense that if he goes, it's got to be the right move for him. So there's no point in him jumping out of going. There's no, there's no issue that he'd, he'd get a club. He'd get a club in England, no problem, but it's getting the right club for him. So I think that's a huge decision for him if and when it comes to that. But if he stays, he's going to get the bones of 30 goals the way he's going to play again, this, or the way he's playing at the moment. Does it help, free, obviously. Does it help that Cork have come into the season? I know, I know this will sound a bit weird, but they've in a way come in under the radar, even though their favourites are second favourites to win the league. They're opening two games, half of me on TV. A lot of people have been focused on what Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers are doing, while at the same time, without even realising a Cork are on six points without conceding a goal. Well, I think it, the, the emphasis of Cork the last few years is, like I think John has lost, he lost 13 or 14 games in three seasons, so like they don't concede many goals. They don't give goals away cheaply. It's been, it's been the bedrock of their team. Again, I think everybody in the country knows Cork are going to be there thereabouts. As you said, look, the emphasis has been on Dundalk and their success. Obviously, Shamrock Rovers is huge in Dublin because, again, they've changed the whole team. You know, they brought in seven or eight players. They've changed the whole team. So, again, John has done his business quietly. I think losing Kenny Brown, obviously, was, was a disappointment. But Ryan Delaney's come in and he's been excellent. So, you know, you look at that, obviously, they've got him till the summer. I, can, I think that could be an issue in the summer. They probably need another centre-half, whether they didn't get him for Delaney for longer is another question. But... I think Cork again. Look, they've done their business well. John has signed players. He's, you talked. You talk, He spoke about Conor McCormack there, and you look at him. He's played right back. He's played centre half. He's played centre midfield for Cork in, in in the games he's come in, and he's he's, he's been brilliant. And yeah, is that the key to it? That that he has guys now who are all comfortable on the ball, and we'll use Conor McCormack as the example. We could probably use Beatty as well. You know, these guys they know how to use the ball. Even Bennett, when he plays, same deal. Delaney looks very comfortable on it as well. Well, I think. You, when you play, when you play the likes of Greg Bodgen in the park, you only play one way. You've got to play it through him, Garrow Morrissey. Those two players, I think they dictate the way Cork play. Obviously, with Maguire up top, and then the two lads in the middle of the park. They're footballers. They're like the last thing they want is the ball going over their heads into a centre forward. They want to play, and I think they don't. You look at Greg Bodgen; he always wants the ball in every position he's in the pitch. So, I think that determines the way Cork play. Again, you've got Johnny Dunleavy, you've got Stephen Beattie, you've got McCormick. Yeah. That's that can play in th- two or three positions. I think it gives John a lot of a lot of issues in the sense, not of issues, good headaches really, I suppose, in the sense that where do you play players? And I think you look at this, the first couple of games, he's rotated players, he's moved them into different positions, and I think that's only going to strengthen Cork's hand. Billy, just before we let you go, um, give us an insight into how John goes about picking a team for each individual game. Obviously, you've worked with them, you've been there, so you kind of you've seen it done. Um, I suppose without giving secrets away, John is John is will, will know. No, give secrets away. That's okay. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. I won't. Listen, but, no, I, listen. There's honestly, there's no man with a better work ethic than John. I, in, he would know every player in the country. Opposition we're playing on Friday. Or Cork City are playing on Friday. He will know each of those players. He will know everything about those those players. He reminds me of Pat Dolan in a sense, in that way that they knew everything that was going on in the country. Everything about players. They made it their business to find out. Um, on in, but he, without saying that, right, in saying that, he's determined. His own the emphasis is always on his own team about what Cork City are going to do. Um, he'll have a picture. He'll early in the week. He'll have an idea of what way he's going to play. He'll bounce it off John Cotter. Um, he'll bounce it off Biscuit, Phil Harrington. He'll bounce it off Cairns. And there'll be a couple of meetings, and then they'll put a plan together on the Tuesday and the Thursday. They'll implement the plan, and they'll, he'll speak about what he wants to do. And then that's the way he works, basically. Finally, Billy, what were your thoughts on Galway? Obviously, Shane Keegan has come in and they suffered the disappointing loss in the opening night to Drogheda. They may not have looked at uh, the game in Turner's Cross as a chance at three points, but they must be worried 
uh, so soon in the season. Not uh, they still haven't scored and they've conceded five in their first two games. Yeah, but the only thing in Galway's favour, I believe, is that in Porter Cunningham they've got an excellence in the four. He's only a boy, but he's, he's. I think he's going to be a very good player. In Ronan Murray, they've got an experienced player. If they can tighten up at the back, I know it's a big issue now, right? In um, well, in first game they only lost one. They, apparently, I didn't see that game when they saw the highlights, but they should have got something out of that game. If they can play through Porter Cunningham and Ronan Murray, I think they've got goals in them. That'll give them a strong chance. I know they haven't, I suppose it's, it's a contradiction me saying that when they haven't scored, but in Ronan Murray they have a very good centre forward and in Porter Cunningham they've got another very good centre forward. So if they can tighten up the back, the likes of Foles, um, Colin Horgan, I, I think they've got a, an opportunity. The home, the home form is crucial though. If they keep conceding the goals they conceded the other night, they're going to have an, an awful long season. Yeah, one thing I will say in that, uh, obviously, Kieran Nugent, I would have seen a lot of him last year. I was very surprised with him uh, on Friday night. Anytime I saw him last year, he was excellent. So I'd say that was yeah. just that was just an off night for him. Yeah, yeah, just a blip. And hopefully, for goal's sake, it is a blip. Yeah, uh, hopefully. Listen, you. I suppose. Look, it's the League of Ireland. You want you want country teams in it also. Um, again, it's a big job for Shane Keegan, though. It is a big job. I and mean, look, without without trying to get players, it's difficult to get players to Galway. Previous managers had the same issue. But I think I think he did some good business in Ronan Murray, and I, if he can get him keep him get him fit and keep him fit and get him scoring, I think he gives him a good chance. Okay, Billy. Just before we wrap up, a story about trying to get players to go away. As as Dan will be aware, my other half is from Connemara, and I was speaking to someone the other night, and I said, he said, you know, is there any chance he'd ever move home? And he meant Waterford for me, and I said, no. I said, if anything, I said it would probably be Connemara, and he said, Jesus, don't go there. Nothing but misery. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's very harsh. It's very, very harsh. harsh. But look, Galway United don't play in Connemara. They play in Eamon DC Park, which is just about in the Gwaeltoc. But I would disagree completely with the Connemara point. A more beautiful part of the world you will not find. Billy Woods, uh, thank you very much for joining us on News Talk's SSE Electricity League podcast. And uh, we'll catch you at the cross sometime. Brilliant. Thanks, Rasheen. Thanks, lads. Always good to hear from Billy Woods. What a... Absolute shock that I invited yet another former Cork City player onto the podcast. Yeah, sure. I've invited a Sligo Rovers legend onto the podcast. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Billy Woods yes. is an ex-Shamrock Rovers player as, mm-hmm. a, as well and exported down. Yes. And he, he knows the stuff on League Around. He had his research done before we were speaking to him. Yes, well, that's why we had him on. Um, an ex-Sligo Rovers legend. Tell us more. A former Sligo Rovers captain. Uh, Sorry, uh, he's not an ex-legend. He is a legend. He's yes. an ex-Sligo Rovers player. Correct. Shoot. Tony Fagan has around just under 600 appearances for Slagger Warriors. He's the record appearance holder and it's a stat that will probably never be broken. He played for the club for over 20 years in the 1960s up until the 80s. He was part of the team that won the league Rovers second ever league title in 1977 and he also captained the team to their first ever FAI Cup win in 1983 and the reason we're speaking to him is that this year is the 40th anniversary of that league triumph and Tony along with the rest of the team are being honoured on Friday night in the showgrounds when uh, Rovers play St Pat's and they won that league in 1977 they did do you know what else was big in 1977 Dan I do not Oshin. I think you could have a guess the frustrations of 40 years were shed in the showgrounds today as Sligo Rovers took the League of Ireland Football Championship for the first time since 1937. Now that's been a terribly long time to wait. Seasons of frustration as the agony was piled on as they came within a touch of the title and still never took it again after that golden moment in season 36-37. And then today came the position that they needed two points from this final game and they will be champions once more. And now here's Billy Sinclair, the very happy player manager of the new champions. Well done, Billy. Congratulations. Thanks very much indeed, Philip. Very nice indeed. 
Yeah, uh, glad it's all over. It's been a long, hard road to the title. Uh, we've had a lot of com competition behind us, but uh, the lads have shown character throughout the season. And as such as we've been behind, we've been level pegging, and we've, we've always come, we've always come through in the end, you know. Well, Tony Fagan, formerly of Sligo Rovers, no doubt that report from Philip Green back in 1977 brings back very, very happy memories for you. Uh, the day that you first won a league title with Sligo Rovers, uh, beating Shamrock Rovers at the showgrounds. Well, as I say to you, I mean, it, it was nice to hear that some comments from all the, the years ago. You know, I mean, as you get on in years, you forget about all these things. You know, but I mean, Philip Green was the man that done all the soccer survey on a Sunday evening and whatnot, and, and, it, and it was just kind of just thinking back now. I mean, it was a great occasion for the, the players and the town itself. What do you remember about the day? Because I, I watched the footage that we took that audio from uh, today and the showgrounds was absolutely packed. There was a great atmosphere. There was a, there was a great noise. It was, it was something that would match any other sporting occasion that you would see. So, so what do you remember from that playing that day? Well, tell you, you often hear the, the saying that try and think of what happens on the day but I mean the occasion like it, it was massive and like you hear people saying cup finals and whatnot, try and take it in but it's very hard when like every, your whole season depends on one match and like that day I mean the place was was perfect and you know? all like I mean a home game and playing Shamrock Rovers on top of it and you know? all as I said here there was a lot of tension in the team starting off in the February first couple of 20 minutes, you know, like, but once we kind of settled in, you know, it, it wasn't too bad. And as I said here, taking the lead was kind of a bit of pressure off, but as I said here, when young McGee scored for um, Shamrock Rovers, it kind of put a bit of a dampener on it, and it, it quietened the crowd down, because all you could hear was, there were kind of, I, no, I didn't hear it, but you could sense that they were just listening for other results to see how we go on the law. But at the end of the day, I mean, we just came through, and it was a great occasion. Talk to me about that season, because your former manager said it in the interview with Philip Green at the time, that it was nip and tuck, it was very close, it was neck and neck, it was a it was a really, really hard fought season, a really, really hard fought league win. Well as I said, yeah, I mean B Billy came in say the, the year before and like the the club was, was in turmoil, it was you know, like we were finishing at the bottom of the league and whatnot, you know, and he, he introduced kind of a, a full time setup. So there wasn't many kind of part timers like me playing with the team. So like the facilities nowadays, I mean, they wouldn't compare to years ago. We had all, all we had to do was kind of go out there running. You had to run, and like Billy came from a, a, a full time career, and some of the lads that, that he brought over, they were just young lads coming from Cardiff that played probably they never got near the say the first team, but I mean they were just young fellas that played football up up as Crystal tell you or. Graham Fox, they tell you they played in the probably second or third team and they come over here for experience with the chance that they might get back again if they've done well enough. So, I mean, it was a good mixture of players and when you look at it, I mean, there was a lot of young fellas in it, you know, nearly similar like today that the young fellas are coming over, but I mean, they're coming over for one reason that they hope to do well that they get back again. And talk to me about your own role in it because you're Sligo through and through. I mean, you're from. 
pretty much next door to the showgrounds. <laughs> uh, so was it important for you, for you as a local man to, to drive these lads on, to drive the club on, to get the message across to them like, lads, you're here for experience, but you're also representing a very, very important club, a very, very important community thing, because that's what Sligo Rovers is. See, you, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, um, years ago after training, like we used to go down for a, a pint. Now, look, this is odd occasions. And we go down and we reminisce. So you had Mick Leonard from Celtic. Then you'd have Chris and Grand Fox to be from Cardiff and myself. And we'd all we just, we just reminisce about dear lives in Scotland and Mick with Celtic and the rest of the lads were care of and me here and I would tell them and say what it was like that in Sligo we're a very close community and everybody knows one another I mean you walk down the street you might meet a hundred people you'll know 99% of them and that's what it's like in Sligo and I, I was just trying to say to them I mean that the facilities that, that we weren't geared for a full time setup and whatnot. but the man says you make the best of what you have no, like, and don't look for excuses. And they were good lads to, to, to mix them well. And you they know, said, you know, like, we're here for the season, so let, let's see what we can do. But I mean, the man behind it all was Billy. Billy had a great attitude, you know, like, I mean, Billy maintains if you kind of work hard, you know, you'll get your rewards. And like, as I said years ago, I mean, we we had a very small panel for, for that league team. And as I said to you, we had a trainer there that once you were injured, you, you didn't know what it was, but you were just strapped up and you, you played the next Sunday. So it was nip and tuck, say, every weekend to get a team out on the pitch. But as it, every game was close, and as, and in the end, I think we won. No, I think we won it by a point from Bowes. So it just shows you how, how close it was. Tony, you mentioned there about a lot of people coming over for the season and obviously now we're celebrating the 40th anniversary but there's still a lot of players who would have come over from England still based in in, uh, in Sligo Town and its environs. People like uh, Chris Rutherford. What kept them in Sligo? Was it the community? Was it just the success and they enjoyed themselves? What was it that kept these people in Sligo? I know, it, it wasn't a success. I mean, the lads... Um, I was kind of a bit older than, than the lads and... As I said to you, we used to be talking and whatnot, you know. And when, the, like, when we won the league and we were in the cup final as well the following year, and they didn't go back to England, you know, and make a success, I tried to kind of say to them that now is the time to try and start kind of going part time or whatnot, because it's easier to start working for these lads who was full time to start working, getting jobs, and be part timers at 27 then at say when you're finished at 33 so like Chris got married here and Stenny got married here and Paul got married here so a lot, a lot of them kind of mixed in with the, the people and as I said Sligo was so, so close that everyone knew one another and the lads lived beside the ground around the terrace just from the about 100 yards from the ground and every, everyone was close and like the youngsters years ago that's 40 years ago I mean the, the kids were just mad for them and they'd carry their bags down and everything so they, these, these young fellas were carrying bags for young fellas as well you know um, It wasn't the only success that you had with Sligo that 1977 league win you mentioned Bohemians there in 1983 I think it was them that you beat in the FAI Cup final and Tony we've, we've dug out a clip or two from that as well have a listen 
tripped. Oh, that's a beautiful goal by McLaughlin. Surely a goal to win a cup final. There it is. A moment for every Sligo supporter to savour. Tony Fagan takes the cup for the first time back to Sligo. Well, Tony Fagan, you're home with the cup. What do you think of Sligo now? I mean, I've said all along that, you know, I mean, we waited so long for it. I mean, the crowd are out here now and they're waiting to get at us. I mean, it's the best thing that ever happened to football for us to win the cup because, I mean, we were starved for success down here so long. So I'm definitely going mad to get out here myself. So, Tony, that was you speaking to a young Tommy Gorman back in the day. Another Sligo man, I believe, uh, having won the Cup in 1983. And you were the first Connacht club to win the FAI Cup, and that must have been a very special thing to do. Well, as I said, when I started off in 67, um, Sligo was kind of, I think, about a year or two previous, they went to the semi-final, and the world was kind of a, a cup side. Like, the, the league, they were never kind of doing well enough in the league to go challenge and for anything. But the Cup seems to bring the, a lot of the people out. So in 19... After, say, signing in 67, we went to the final in 1970 and we played Bohemians uh, in Daly Mount Park. I mean, that was the, the grounds for playing the, the Cup finals around that time. And we had to play them three times with drawn games and three times the game was in Daly Mount Park and all the people had to travel up again thousands of people and whatnot and in the end I mean we had a great chance on a Wednesday night Davy Pugh had a great chance of finishing the job but Denny Lowry made one of these great saves that he usually used to do years ago and as in in the third game we, we took the lead through Johnny Cook and then was Johnny Fulham and uh, Tony O'Connell got the score too for Shamrock Rovers. But, uh, but as I said to you, them days, and I keep saying it, people don't realise, I mean, we played the three games on, on their home pitch. They're all like, I mean, it's okay saying that, but I mean, I kind of looked at that and I said, I mean, it it, it was no home and away. You know, it wasn't brought back or it wasn't brought to Tulka Park. It was played on Daly Mount Park. And to me, they had a bit of an advantage over us. But as I said to you, Thirteen or fourteen years later, we have to play the same team again in Daly Mount Park, and this time, as say, we had much of a chance because we weren't doing well in the league. And I, I think um, I was reading in the paper that probably the Saturday before the match, and they were asking the, the, the managers who did they think would win the cup, and probably ten or twelve said Bowes, but one fella, Patchy McGowan, former manager, said. My heart says, my head says Bowes, but my heart says Sligo Rovers. So, thankfully, we just came, we just came out on top. But at the end of the day, we deserved the victory. I, I know Bowes were favourite and whatnot, but I mean, the ways we played on that day, I mean, we lost Chris Rutherford earlier on and then Stenny got injured. So we lost, we were losing kind of, gradually going down in fellas that we needed to kind of get, get us through this match. But I mean, Stenny stayed on and, and Paul Feeling came off for Chris Rutherford and like we stayed the team was stabled in and we just we carried on from there and Harry at the end of the day got one of the best goals you know, you'll see in a cup final yeah it's a fantastic watch that goal um, you mentioned there the amount of travel that you had to do given where you were coming from and Sligo being so isolated in some ways, was that a good thing? Because it kind of built a team bond and it meant when teams went to ye, 
it was kind of a fortress and then when you went to them you you know you'd have a good time traveling and you'd get to know each other and it just made the team more of a team Ah, yes, but as if you, we were travelling every second week. I mean, they were only travelling to Sligo once once or twice a year, you know. So, I mean, we had to travel everywhere. And But as if you, like, years ago, people don't realise it. I mean, the the roads weren't the best and the buses weren't the best, you know. Like, it, I mean, you could tell stories about some of the buses, you know, like, and whatnot, you know. But, I mean, we made the best of it. And as I said here, when Billy came in, like, I mean, he, he seen all this set up and he kind of tried to rectify most of the things, get better luxury buses and whatnot, you know, and we'd stay over on long journeys. I mean, so, years ago, like, when the money was was short, sometimes we'd have to go down to Waterford on a Sunday morning, you know, like, which is not the best of things, and probably four or five in the car, and just get out and play the match and back up again, you know. I mean, that that's, that's the type of thing that you were up against years ago, but as I said to you, Billy Sinclair introduced all this, and say, pre-match meals was a steak before the match, you know. This was unusual for any type of meal, local lad, I mean, getting this thing, but I mean, that's the way he, he kind of introduced this full-time setup, and you were you were geared for it, you know. But the only thing that he wanted was that you went out on the pitch and you had done your best. And he was a great uh, manager for once you had done your best. He was quite happy with that. Tony, obviously, with the league win in 1977, Rovers went on to lose a cup final the year after the John Carpenter Cup final. It's uh, <laughs> it, it was it's uh, growing up in Sligo. It's one name that I that was sort of put into my head at a very young age. John Carpenter. Obviously, that game was lost to Shamrock Rovers, and there was also a game lost in '81 to Dundalk. Even though Rovers won the league in '90 in '77, uh, do you think that the cup team from '83 is probably more widely remembered across the country? Who? Not really, no, uh, myself. I, I think, um, like, Harry's goal will be remembered and yeah. Stenny's goal. Because they'll probably remember Stenny's goal because I was up on his back, you know, halfway around the pitch. <laughs> 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 so, like, but probably them two uh, instances might, might cheer up. But I think, it, like, the, the, the league team, I mean, looking at it, it was here in a photograph, I mean, it was a very strong team. And it's just a pity that we didn't stay together. See, that's what happens, as I said to you. Down through the years, Sligo, it'd go hell for letter trying to put a team on the, on the, to the pitch. But then if it was going well, it wasn't there the next season. There was players coming and going. Like hell, you know, whether it was to want the more money or they just had enough of Sligo, say, down in the West, and, and that was enough. But you can imagine, you see, lads coming from big cities, coming over to the West. It wasn't the ideal thing, but you know, as a city, if they're young fellas, they probably think they were better off back home and whatnot, you know. But as I said, no, I, I, I'd go for the, the league team myself, no, because you've you done it over the season. The, the cup match, uh, cup finals, you win it on the day, and that was it. No, I mean, nobody expected us in the quarterfinals to beat Shamrock Rovers at home. I mean, that was a great occasion, not because I got the, the winning goal or anything like that, you know, but it's just to kind of mention it, just in case people forget about that goal. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't a, a scorer of um, 
what do you say? It wasn't a score of great goals, but it was a score of, of important goals. Of important. Well, it's, it was always the important ones that were the key ones. Tony, well, just, this is it, you know. Tony, just before we let you go, obviously the team are being honoured in the showgrounds now on Friday night uh, before the same Pats game. How often do the team get uh, get together to reminisce on these things? Obviously, people move away. I know Billy Sinclair is back in Scotland, but there are still a lot of uh, there's still a lot of the team based around Sligo. How often do you get together? No, as I said to you, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, Sligo is, is, is a small city and we don't see much of one another because we all go our different ways and we all have our own families and grandchildren and whatnot. And you don't see, it's only occasions like this. And as I said to you, um, it, it'd be hard to believe, though, if I said to you that I mightn't see some of them for probably a year or two, you know. It, it's, 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 that, it's not that it's that big. It's just that you, you go your own way in life and whatnot, you know. So it's, it's it's nice for occasions like this because it's nice to meet up and, I mean, to see have you much hair left or whatnot, you know, after all the years. <laughs> so as I said, you, yeah. in 77, I had a big head of hair and whatnot, or 67, nowadays it's, it's not much. The beard's but, still there, though. Uh, well, that's it, <laughs> but it's gone, it's gone white nowadays. Nothing wrong but with it, that. No, but the main thing is, as I said, it's nice and... It's nice for people to kind of still think about you that we were the first team in was it forty years to bring the cup or the, the league home that time, and even as they, they do have the occasion for the cup as well. You know, so it's it's kind of well, I, I'm I'm lucky enough that I was in both. So yeah, and Chris and Stenny is there and whatnot. You know, so it, it's nice it's nice for us that we're we're not forgotten and. It's not about today's players. It's about players that done it years ago when things were hard. And if I mean, if you've seen the facilities up in the showgrounds now, I mean, I, while I'd like to uh, be up there now, I'm glad I just had my time back in the 60s and 70s. I wouldn't change it for what what's going on now because it, football has changed an awful lot. And as I said to you, it wouldn't kind of suit me, you know, my type of football, but I mean, look at that—that was years ago, and now it's all different. It's hands-on. As I said to you before, we didn't know what injuries were years ago. We we just had to play with them because the panel was small and whatnot. Now it is you, you have rotating teams and whatnot, twenty players. You know, like it's all changed, and I just can't get my head around it. You know, like that yeah. you need all these players for for this. I mean, I would love to be playing um, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. You know. I mean, yeah. it'd be brilliant. You know, you, if you're a young fella, I mean, that's all you want to do is get out, get out on the pitch and play matches. Do you still follow Sligo Rovers? Have you turned into a big Sligo Rovers fan? Oh, sure, I haven't changed. As I said to you, I, the reason why I stayed with Rovers for the 20 years was I lived 100 yards from them, 100 yards from the church, and 100 yards from me local. <laughs> So what more, a, what, what more does a fellow want in life? I was quite happy. I got married young, and I'm still, in case they don't know, I'm still married 47 years. So so that's what life is like. I mean, we're kind of a a close family in Sligo, and that's the way it was, and it's, hopefully it'll always stay like that. Tony, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for joining us on the uh, News Talk SSE or Tristy Lee podcast. And enjoy the anniversary this weekend uh, when Sligo Rovers play St. Pat's and you celebrate uh, 40 years since Sligo won that uh, league title in 1977. Cheers, Tony. Thanks very much. What an incredibly nice man. He's a legend in Sligo and that's not an understatement. Goes to all the games. Uh, 
And he goes like, he just goes with his grandchildren and kids. He's like not in the corporate areas or anything yeah. like that. He's just a man of the showgrounds and always has a nice word to say to everyone. And still has a cool beard. He certainly has a cool beard. It's the best beard in Sligo Town. Let's run through the fixtures. <laughs> Uh, in the Premier Division, there are games on Friday and Monday. And in the FEI's infinite wisdom, they have put up a full round of Premier Division fixtures against Ireland and Wales in the Six Nations. So on Friday, we have uh, all six games are taking place Friday night at 7.45. There's three of them. It's Bowles against Bray. That is in Dalymont Park. It's basically top against bottom there. One team with two wins, one team with two losses. Mm-hmm. Dundalk face Limerick in what looks like the tie of a Friday night. Sligo Rovers are at home to St. Pat's. That game is also 7.45. Three games at eight. It's Drogheda against Cork. Finn Harps against Galway. And Shamrock Rovers against Derry. In the first division on Friday night at Lone take on Longford Town. Cabin Teeley up against Wexford and UCD face Waterford United. Sorry, Waterford FC. On Saturday, Cove Ramblers take on Shelburne. That one kicks off at 7.15. UCD top there at the moment. They're on six points, as are at Lone. What a start they've made. Cove Ramblers in third position on four points. Waterford and Fort on three points. Would at loan have six points if Colin Fortune didn't speak to us last week? Probably not. I think they won last week because Colin Fortune spoke to us. Um, something that Waterford United... FC are doing at the yes. moment actually if you follow them on Twitter they've got highlights of their home games up online and actually they've highlights of the first game they lost as well it's a it's a really good service to have not often I say this but one of the one of the distinct advantages of being in the first division is that you control your own rights so you can get the footage out because of no your one ga- cares you can get the footage out your words there are not mine you can get the footage out very quickly before uh, Soccer Republic on a Monday night I will say this about the first division it's very competitive this year and looks if like you it. look at like the crowd for the Waterford game I, I watched the highlights online it looked great because it's, mm-hmm. it's a nice stadium it's not ideal that it's open ended on both sides but there's two nice stands yeah. and like you know, you'll get a big crowd there you'll get a big crowd for Athlone if they get a bit of a run going yeah. they're up against Longford this week in a Midlands derby that'll be good and the pressure's on Alan Matthews there already well they haven't had a good start long for one point from two games. two games and they were expected to challenge along with Drogheda for the uh, along with Drogheda along with Waterford for the league title I, I think that's a little bit unfair Do you? I just don't think they have the resources I think anyone well, I agree with that but it doesn't an outside bet maybe but it doesn't help if their uh, Midlands rivals are top of the table well it doesn't help if anyone else is top of the table and you're not top of the table and especially people thought when, you should be top of the table especially when one team go up well that's very true and uh, look we're not fans of this whole one thing one team going up only but it has added to the excitement early season yes now the trouble is if someone runs away with it someone does a limerick on it yeah I don't think it'll be that bad but you know you could essentially kill it off as a contest with seven games uh, to go if there's, a, if there's a team with a six or seven point advantage with a handful of games left it's game over I think we'll stop this conversation because I have a feeling people are probably sick of hearing it yes there's also games in Monday night there is it will be interesting to see what happens when the first division settles down very early doors at the moment Uh, on Monday night in the Premier League uh, these games not up against Ireland uh, versus Wales in the Six Nations Uh, Galway United hosting Shamrock Rovers that one kicks off at 7 o'clock in Eamon DC Park at 7.45 a game I'm going to go to Bray against Drogheda at 7.45 Cork City taking on Sligo Derry up against Dundalk at the same time in McGinn Park. Limerick face Bohemians at 7.45 at the Markets Field. And St. Pat's host Finharps. That one also off at 7.45. Derry-Dundalk there looks like the tie of the round. And of course it's good to have first against third on a Monday night. Is it fair to say that uh, St. Pat's are under a bit of pressure? Early? We're mad to put pressure on people. We are mad to put pressure on people. Looking yeah. here at the table. Finharps, St. Pat's, Bohemians, Galway and Slugger Rovers have all no wins from their first two games. Looking at this, personally I think... 
St. Pat's are under pressure. I think yeah. Bulls are under pressure. I think Galway are under pressure. And I think Slugger Rovers are under pressure. Don't ask me why. I think Finn Harps will stay up. Really? I do. Wow. First two games, the 5-3, even though it was said after the match, Ollie Horgan said it, that Bray ran over them in the last 15 minutes. 5-3 definitely complimented Bray in that game. There was some very dodgy goals. There was a penalty that shouldn't have been given. The Finn Harps goalkeeper was knocked out and Gary uh, McCabe put the ball into an open net. They also held Cork last week. He Nat Lofthouse him. He Nat Lofthouse him. I have yeah. no idea what Nat Lofthouse means. I know the man. I do not know the reference. Google it. I shall Google it. And also last week they had a 1-0 uh, loss to Cork. There's nothing wrong with that yeah. on the first night. I just have a good feeling that Harps could be okay now you can play that back to me in November when they're bottom of the table six points off I get the point you're making though despite the fact that they've lost two games they've there's been positive signs yeah. in both games like look in here they've lost the two games there's yeah. positive signs Pats have lost to Drogheda at home I yeah. say Bray at home and Drogheda away they should hope to maybe get three two three or four points out of that not yeah. lose both games Bohemians I think are in a bit of, are in a bit of trouble Shane Keegan at Galway Probably they should have beaten Drogheda in the first game. They should have, yeah. Cork, you can you can write that one off. They're against a team that are going for the title. And I also think Sligo Rovers... Can you write off one. a 4-0 defeat? I don't think no, you can. You can write off the result as in getting no points. Yeah, but you can't write off performances. True, you can't. One, t- Two teams we haven't mentioned today a lot, and I know you're going heading to Bray Monday night. Bray have two wins from two, and Drogheda have two wins from two. Yeah. So... Well done, Drogheda. Well done, Bray. Yep, looking forward to heading to Bray. And the reason I picked that game is nothing to do with the fact that it's the most convenient to where I live, aside from Tala, of course. Yes. Anyway, that's it for this week. You can Before catch we him. Go, have you anything on your dog, any dog stories this week? Dan, I don't want to talk about it. That's fine. Okay, brought up a lot of painful memories last week. You can get me on Twitter at Ismisha Daniel. It left me feeling rough all week. You can get me on at Oshin Lang, and we'll rough. talk to you next week. <laughs> and by the way, um, Damien Lynch was on about St. Pat's last week still a lot of that stuff holds up even though a game has been played since yes. so that's worth a listen, listen to but back uh, to that. yeah we'd love to hear from you on our various twitter accounts until next week take care and good luck bye Baby, when the lights-